Welcome to the Mel Hummer Podcast. It is episode 87. I'm Mo and I'm here with Ellen. Ow, how's hey. it going? Hi. Feels like the first time that the, uh, the original trio, the mighty main team, have all been back together for a while. We've all been away doing exciting things. I know. Well, you, you mostly. Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> We've kind of just been around on and off. You've oh, been okay, off on the other sorry. side of the world having adventures, <laughs> which we will get into a little bit uh, later on. Uh, in the meantime, don't forget that the latest issue of Metal Hammer is out right now. It features Sharon Den Ardell from Within Temptation and Amy Lee from Evanescence in a world-exclusive joint interview, interviewed together at once for the very first time ever, appearing on a magazine cover together for the very first time ever. Uh, and you can pick up that interview right now. It is a fascinating read. We've also recently uh, released our special edition Airborne Bone Shaker bundles. So if you're a big fan of Airborne, and you should be because they're wicked, uh, you can pick up our special airborne bundles right now. Uh, they feature the latest issue of Metal Hammer, which I just described to you, but with an exclusive airborne cover that you can't get anywhere else. And it also comes with an exclusive airborne bone shaker patch and a uh, lyric sheet, which was handwritten out by Joel from the band. We had photocopied 300 of them and got the band to all individually hand sign and number each one. So there's only 300 of these bundles worldwide and you can only get them by going to tinyurl.com forward slash buy hammer. And we only put them online a couple of days ago and um, I just double checked and half of them are gone already. So if you want to get yours, uh, get onto tinyurl.com forward slash buy hammer to pick up your airboard bundles right now. And I think we still might have um a couple of the uh the regular editions with sharon and amy available online as well but not for long so go get them while you can I'm warning you you've got about two weeks to get the regular edition in shops as well so good warning Merlin. don't cry when they're all gone that's not your word that's, that's, my, water. that's your water. Picking my, up water. my water ruining everything uh so yeah that's what we've got going on um so we've all been doing stuff this week which is nice some more epic than others <laughs> I want to hear about what you've been doing because I feel like I missed a lot while I was away. Yeah, you did a bit. Uh, I went to see Killswitch Engage, one of the greatest bands of all time at Brixton Academy. <laughs> um, <laughs> Last time I saw Killswitch with you, you spent every single song gazing lovingly towards the stage and singing every lyric. Literally every lyric. Um, I Yeah, to, to be honest, you even saying that has reminded me that I think I've sat here and just gassed about Killswitch gigs at least twice already on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was an interesting one because um, it was the first uh, UK shows in support of their latest album, Atonement, which came out earlier in the year. Um, and that was an album that's really grown on me, which you don't really think to say about Killswitch. They write metalcore bangers. That's what they do. It's quite an instantaneous style of music. It's not really kind of, there's not exactly a lot of layers to their music um, in the traditional sense. Um, but after first being a little bit underwhelmed by it, apart from maybe a couple of tracks, um, put the album on a couple of weeks later after it had officially come out. And I just found myself singing along to way more songs than I anticipated. And within a couple more weeks after that, I was just absolutely hammering that album. I think, you know, when they Spotify do those... Uh, oh, remix. Yeah, uh, daily mix. No, yeah, the daily mix. Release and then radar. at the end of the year, they do like the kind of roundup of what oh, you've been listening yeah. to the most. I'm pretty sure Signal Fire is going to be my number one most listened to track. Like Aww. that was one of the ones I liked from the start, but it has grown into definitely one of my favorite modern Killswitch songs, probably one of my favorite Killswitch songs ever. It was awesome. So uh, even though Killswitch are always good live, I was, all, I was kind of more hyped um, than I would have been anyway for this gig. So I was, I was all in on it. Um, but first of all, I saw a bit of revocation who 
so it was it was an interesting choice of support. I didn't see the mm. opening band. I didn't get there in time. But um, I saw Revocation, which was an interesting choice of support because A, they are a straight up technical death metal band. There is no metal core in their sound. There is no kind of catchy choruses. There is none of that. They are absolutely not in the exact same lane that Killswitch are in. Um, and also because they, they only got added to the bill like two or three weeks before the gig. So I, I kind of think that means Killswitch probably sold a, a lot of tickets by themselves and they didn't feel the need to kind of maybe uh, add a lineup that created a kind of big memorable bill or anything like that. Don't mean that disrespectfully to Revocation. Um, but, you know, it's not like they added kind of like a, a quite big metalcore band to the bill or anything mm. like that. So they obviously wanted to give some attention to a band who have actually been around for years. I think they're on their seventh album now. Um, and I think even though you could tell what they were doing didn't connect in the same way that if they'd booked, I don't know, like Barry Tomorrow or Miss mm. May or someone like that to support them. Um, there were a lot of people that were really into it. There was a lot of circle pits and mosh pits going on, which is really cool. So people were obviously digging what Revocation did. Um, and even though it felt like a, not an odd fit, but maybe not uh, the most obvious fit, I think they went down really well for what they were. Um, and I think it's, I, just, I ended up thinking it was really fucking cool that Killswitch kind of gave a kind of shine to a band like that who have obviously been on the scene for a while, don't get many chances to play gigs like that. Um, and they've been put in front of a crowd who have probably been exposed to a heavier kind of metal than a lot of them might not be used to. So I thought that was really cool. And Were uh, they good? They were great. Yeah, that's what I mean. They were right, really, cool. really good. They were <laughs> super tight and they sounded good. You know, Brixton can be a very cavernous venue for Brixton. support bands i love it as a venue but i've seen it swallow a lot of support bands before yeah people who've never been on a stage that big you mean and can't hold it essentially mm. and especially if you're heavier big though if you're into death metal oh yeah totally but, but to play to a five thousand capacity venue yeah here with sd's and metalcore it's a different thing isn't yeah it? I'm, I'm not trying to write revocation off as kind of like unknown underground band or anything like that but they are like a fucking heavy band and that album mm. that came out i think last year now is really fucking good as well i can't remember what it's called off the top of my head but you should definitely take it check it out if you want some really like clean um uh heavy as shit technical death metal it's really good and they yeah they were great they sounded really good that all said um you know it was kill switch engage his gig and uh it's the first time i've seen them and i think they've even played in london in front of their own crowd for a while because they supported parkway earlier this year um they did uh they supported maiden on that tour last year so i can't remember off the top of my head the last time they would have um been in london it's been at least a couple of years on their own uh headline set i think um so anyway they, they came on they had like really simple stage list uh, stage set had a couple of levels uh, to it and the big um, atonement artwork in the background start with Unleashed the first track off the new album which sounded fucking great so heavy and so kind of epic and swelling and just everything that makes a great kill switch song then they did Hate by Design which is a song off the last album Incarnate and um, people were singing along to that as well which is obviously great to see because that's a newer track uh, then they did Crownless King which is the thrashier one off the new album that has Chuck Billy on it um, and it's quite cool because when it came to Chuck Billy's verse, Jesse really did like a low end scream that's lower than his normal range. So he kind of really lent into that, like uh, that Chuck style vocal pattern, which was really oh, cool to see. Cool. Um, and I mean, the rest of the set list after that was just insane. They did Last Serenade, followed a bid fell by a bid farewell. Uh, they did Reckoning, which was pretty cool. Um, and then they played one. No, they played 
the signal fire later on, but that's obviously a single and that kind of went super viral because of Howard's involvement. Apart from that, the only other uh, new song they played was As Sure As The Sun Will Rise, which again sounded awesome. Um, but then if you look at the, less, the rest of the set, set list, it was like Rose of Sharon, In Due Time, uh, as I said, Signal Fire, Always, My Curse, This Is Absolution, The End of Heartache, Strength of the Minds, Holy Diver. It was just like, stop, stop, he's already dead. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you can't like, can't keep doing this to us. My voice was in tatters by about two words. Was it the way through. Central? It was just, <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. And again, they, I've, I've said it every time I've seen them in the last few years, but I think they're the best live band in metal. I think Jesse Leach is the best current front man in metal. Um, his vocal performance on the last album might be the best kill switch vocal performance ever it's so many different layers to it um he's got so much emotion to his voice and that really carries in songs like always in particular i thought um, oh i like always yeah it was beautiful it was like yeah, you know borderline emotional ballad. it's not a song i necessarily connect directly with but it's just such a gorgeous emotional song it's hard not to get taken in by it you know i always forget um, how many hits they have so many so many and there were were enough that they left off here as well but they really played like if you kind of listed the six or seven biggest killswit songs they played them all and it was just fucking epics like everyone was singing along the roof felt like it was going to come off it was just great um yeah, just loved it. Just and they're, they're they're like a metal national treasure, Killswitch. We should cherish them while they're in such good form and playing such good sets because I genuinely think they're one of the best metal bands ever. So go with them. You had a lovely time. Go with them. I had a lovely time. So yeah, Alice, didn't you go? You went to Credible Field, didn't you? Yeah. At the Palladium. Yeah. Doing uh, Cruelty and the Beast in Full. Yes. Sweet. I got it all right. Happy with yes, that. I saw that because I was reviewing it, so I can't give too much away because otherwise. Oh, you do have to see the the Metal Hammer uh, review that will be coming out in print next month. Yes, <laughs> absolutely, good plug. Um, but I mean, what did you think? Because it was, I guess, the big theme was bigger production, bigger venue, nicer surroundings than what Cradle usually play in. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm not a huge Cradle fan at all. Okay, that's interesting. Um, but like, <laughs> but no, gen- I genuinely, I wasn't being you know passive um, aggressive. But like, I get what they do and I get it. Like, and they're a huge deal for a lot of like budding goths yeah. in the <laughs> in their like early teens, sure. um, or at least they were when I was in my early teens. Yeah, I was gonna say, I think a lot of Cradle fans probably aren't. I mean, I'm sure there are still early teens Cradle fans, but I reckon mm. a lot of that fan base is probably people that were early teens. I think yeah. a lot of Cradle fans now that go with their mums and dads. Yeah, are, like, there are loads of older people and people that didn't look goth at all but then you had like the two extremes so you had like people that were like kind of interested to what it was and maybe came as like a family evening out or something and then you had the people that were like dedicated and like full-blown like you know traditional romantic kind of victoriana goths um full makeup everything that's Um, awesome but that also shows how uh, you know we can take bands for cradle um like cradle for for granted a little bit maybe because mm. they've just been part of the furniture for so long but you don't get many bands that are that kind of heavy and that steeped in black metal yeah. histrionics that will get that kind of a crowd no definitely not um yeah it was it was like it was an experience it was a weird experience but it was fun um and yeah it went by like by really really fast and sometimes you find like at least i do i've been going to gigs for so long now they have to either be like my favorite band ever or do something really spectacular on stage for me to like not lose some kind of interest mm. or think, oh, when's when can I go and get another drink or something like that? 
Um, and it just kind of like went by really quickly, kind of like a pantomime, which is what the theater is there for really. I mean, it is a, it's a theater at the end of the day. Um, but it felt like it wasn't out of place there. You know, That's it was cool. it was like doing a production of like some kind of camp Dracula yeah. or something like that. Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, or something. or something like that. It was kind of like that kind of thing. Um, so it fit really, really well in the surroundings, I thought. Um, Cradle have always had their tongue hard in their cheek though i think a lot Absolutely. of people didn't yeah. realize that but they definitely, yeah, yeah, definitely know that that's a bit of a vibe they give off sometimes um there was a kid in front of me as well which was quite funny that's um cute. yeah and he was like really young he had like a slipknot um sort of jacket on and his dad had obviously bought him a cradle of filth beanie which he was also supporting oh, what dad lad and um his dad looked really normal but like and like as even it even like as if he wasn't into Cradle, like he wasn't like super like into the actual show. And I was kind of like sitting there thinking, I wonder how this kid got into metal. It's kind of cool. Like <laughs> he's like dragged his dad along. We're going to see Cradle of Filth. At, at one point, his dad did have to shield his eyes though. Oh, is this because of the, the booby <laughs> nuns? nuns? Yeah, there was, oh, yeah, there was some. They had those last time I saw them as stuff. well. So um, yeah, his dad was shielding his eyes, um, which he was fine with. He, he must have been all of about 10. Oh, so bless. it was it was quite got cute. to learn one day why not at a black metal show with blood everywhere it was it, it was great <laughs> to see that there it was really cool That's um awesome. it was really cute that his dad had taken him along and everything so i dig the fact that cradle have become a family day out yeah i'm into that i'll take my kids <laughs> to see cradle of filth definitely maybe not for yeah. the booby bits but. no but it is it's definitely it is kind of kiddie friendly in a way in a weird way in the way of how sort of silly it is it's like ghost or something isn't it as yeah well. like yeah. they have the odd bit where you cover the eyes or the ears when the cardinal or in previous incarnations um papa is being like naughty but they have just big songs and theatricality yeah. as well so it's the kind of thing you can take kids to and they won't be bored yeah, and they'll totally. just get really like spellbound by seeing all this stuff happen yeah well, so overall, as a not big Cradle fan, you were you were, you thought it went down pretty well. Yeah, no, I thought it was cool. Nice. I wanted to see it because I knew it would be kind of a show, um, but I'm glad it did. Excellent. And if you want to read Alice's very in-depth review, pick up the next issue of Melham out on November. Uh, I think seventh. Let's go with seventh. First week in November. Professional. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, while we were fucking about in London, Elle was over on the other side of the world. Do you want to? In a fairly succinct but still interesting two and a half minutes, tell people what you were doing yeah, because like, give it, without like, giving the whole thing away. Like Alice, this is also <laughs> going to be in a future issue of Metal Hammer, which you'll have to pick up. But in a nutshell, I flew to New Mexico um, and slash Arizona. And At once. <laughs> <laughs> well, I flew into New Mexico and then drove to Arizona. Okay. Yeah, so... I went to see Alien Weaponry play on the Navajo Nation. So the Navajo Nation is the largest Native American reservation in the United States. And Alien Weaponry are, you guys listening probably know anyway because they open download main stage. We had a lot of people shout them out on a little uh, thread we did about yeah. new bands today. But actually. if you don't know, they're from New Zealand and a lot of their lyrics are in Maori. So there's some parallels that can be drawn between the Maori and the Navajo people in terms of how colonization affected them. The colonialism, sorry, I'm still jet lagged. Colonialism affected them. You are jet lagged. Elle literally <laughs> landed a couple of days ago, so she's still on American time. I'm a bit confused. 
Um, yeah, and about how, you know, uh, they were both forced off certain parts of their land and about how they, both cultures, try and keep their culture intact and mm. practice certain things. So it was really, really super interesting. They played in the Navajo Sports Centre in Window Rock, the Window Rock Sports Centre. And yeah, so on the largest Native American reservation and you can only li live on the reservation if you are Navajo. So everybody at the show was Navajo and they were all fans. And um, I don't know how much else to say because I want to sort of save it all for the feature. Did they do like a, a hacker? Adventure. Huh? Did they do their hacker thing? Yeah, so uh, the drummer came <laughs> on at the beginning and did the hacker, which you can read more about in the feature. But it was just <laughs> a super interesting thing where... It was really cool to see the two cultures collide and to see people, see the Navajo fans kind of relating to the Maori lyrics in that way. And beyond that, just enjoying a metal show because the reservation is obviously a massive remote piece of land and there's still problems in some areas with getting like water and electricity and all that stuff because it's just a huge, vast rural space. It's incredibly beautiful just these red rocks everywhere and there's different formations like in the reservation like monument valley you can go to where you can see other rocks and um incredibly beautiful landscape but completely vast america americana i guess just this american landscape that goes on forever it's the kind of this thing you'd seen like westerns growing up obviously mm. and um so yeah it's just super interesting to be there and they have had a few metal bands go through actually alien weaponry had played there one time before on a previous tour, they'd played a town down the road. And they've had Max Cavalera play there as well. And they've had Testament play. And I know Chuck Billy has some Native American ancestry. Um, and I was talking to the promoter about that because he kind of took Chuck back to his house and like um, welcomed in, into his family and stuff. And the Navajo Council are kind of quite into metal, which I'll read more about in the future. So they're kind of encouraging bands to come over. So super interesting trip and feel really privileged to have been able to go to it because it's super, super remote. You know, I flew to uh, New Mexico, Albuquerque, New Mexico, which took like a lot of hours. And then from there drove like three and a half hours to um, the Navajo Nation. So you really, it's not easy to get there at all. Um, and just to see that show happen was super cool and Alien Weaponry smashed it. Awesome. And you can read all about that in a big old feature that we'll have coming up in ooh, December, I guess now. Yeah, is it? I think so. Around maybe December, yeah. Not not the next one, but if it's upcoming. Uh, and that is, a, you know, kind of a world exclusive there. We go and, and um, cover these mad things going on around the world in the name of heavy fucking metal. Uh, speaking of which, lots to talk about in the news this week. Some fallings out, some controversy, loads of shit happening. Uh, where should we start? Bloodstock have added new names. We've got new names added to Bloodstock Open Air in August. Uh, Elle, do you want to run through the list of bands that have been added to this year's uh, increasingly big-looking lineup? Sure. We have Diamond Head, Phil Anselmo and the Illegals, Paradise Lost and Life of Agony. Nice. Big stuff going on. Uh, some absolute metal legends there in terms of Diamond Head and Paradise Lost. Life of Agony as well, who did a very, very uh, good show in London this week from what I've heard from other people. Um, Phil Anselmo and the Illegals mm. is an interesting one. It is, isn't it, Merlin? I think we've all kind <laughs> of... We've uh, 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 we've gone in quite deep in on Phil and the uh, kind of um, 
the difficulty in where Philan Salmo sits in the estimations of the heavy metal world now after his white power uh, bullshit a few years ago. I'm not entirely sure how I feel about it. I like, Personally, I probably would not go and see him at a festival in 2019, but I don't know how you guys feel about this one. I feel the same. Uh, still feel uncomfortable with what he said and the fact that he did apologise eventually, but it was kind of under duress and like, yeah... You know, that's cool that he apologized, but first of all, he wouldn't take it back. And then he kind of did a video and went, oh, okay, maybe I fucked up. And ever since then, we, it's just been a little bit uneasy when it comes to him. Like we- It still feels unresolved, doesn't it? It feels unresolved. It's exactly And maybe it's not the kind of thing that can be totally resolved. I don't know. Um, but there's still a hell of a lot of people that love those Pantera songs yeah, and absolutely. will want to watch them. Absolutely. Like, I can imagine it's still going to get a big crowd because a lot of people- won't care what he says or does they just want to hear those songs yeah and i think that um you know we when we did talk about this in more depth um i can't remember what the reason was we were talking about phil but when we did talk about phil on the podcast a few months ago uh, i think we all kind of came to the point where we were like look if you want to listen to pantera and you want to go see um a phil anselmo show that's that's your choice and that's something you come to terms with and i'm not going to try and police other people's you know listening habits or anything like that um if you don't want to see him you can not go and see him there will undoubtedly be tons of other great stuff at bloodstock to go and watch um it's always a really fun and varied festivals loads of things going on um but i just found it was interesting that people you know clearly haven't forgotten it's not something mm. that's clearly gone away um but i guess it will you know uh, i guess it will remain to be seen what kind of reaction he gets and if the, it will generally feel like the majority still accept Phil Anselmo and still want him to be a part of the scene or if he's kind of been rejected yeah and there's definitely mixed reactions online there's people kind of on both camps really yeah, people saying they don't want to give there's it. people who very vocally wanting to give him a second chance and think he deserves his place in the scene and yeah and there's people on the other side who don't want to give the ticket money to the festival that are booking him mm. so it's yeah. an interesting one do you have any thoughts on this one Alice I don't know. I think there's there are so many problematic people in like all sorts of media and arts and like I think it's good that we call them out, but I think that just like stopping to listen, like stopping listening to stuff that's already out there that you already love and that also has other people involved in it. It's not just Phil. Like um that's I think it's, I think it's a bit silly. It's like you know, why, why like sort of deny that art? Like I kind of separate the art from the artist, I suppose. And I've always kind of done that because there are loads of problematic people like with film and, you know, like film directors, like if like one of my favorite, favorite films, for example, is Rosemary's Baby, but I have a lot of um, trouble with the director, um, Roman Polanski. Like, oh, yeah. so you can go and look up. So, we like, probably shouldn't yeah. <laughs> directly mention anything because I don't know what's legally allowed to do. <laughs> but you can go and look all that shit up. Yeah. And like, you know, what am I going to do? Not re like not watch that film anymore. Not enjoy that film just because mm. he's tainted it. And I think it's good that like we point out these things and make it known and that it's not acceptable and that people aren't accepting of it. And he's not really accepted quite so much in the community anymore because of it. And that's really good. But I think that I don't have a problem with people seeing him and, yeah. you know, going to see the music and stuff. Because at the end of the day, if he is covering Pantera, there's a lot more to Pantera than just him. Like, 
there are, there are other musicians involved there are other people involved um that would be losing out as well and yes maybe you want him like phil to lose out but i don't know i don't even know how like if you're going to a festival you go to a festival for a lot of bands anyway mm. um so your money isn't directly going to him you don't have to buy his cd you don't have to buy his merch mm. but going to see him at a festival that you're going to have fun fun at and enjoy the bands at and you know. there will be like a small proportion of money obviously like from them playing the festival and from like um performing royalties and all that kind of thing so there is like an aspect of it in there mm-hmm. and i think it's important to say as well you know you know bloodstock have done a lot to kind of uh you know more than a lot uh, and i'm not disparaging any other specific festivals anywhere but they've, they've really gone out of their way to kind of uh, make a point about um you know being anti-prejudiced and uh you know welcoming all comers and all that kind of stuff yeah and I mean, they've, they've got they've, a sophie really, stage yeah they literally re- have a whole stage exactly named like, after stamp out hatred uh, yeah. prejudice and intolerance everywhere exactly so they've really been a force for good um so yeah it's a funny one it, I, I guess we won't see exactly how it goes down until we get to bloodstock we said i was we were with Bryony last week and we just kind of ended up by going ah oh, 2019 <laughs> 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 what a world we live in yeah what a world uh, and speaking of which, in in more uh, <laughs> non-chill news, uh, last week we had Dope versus Machine Heads in the battle of what felt like 2001. What? We've completely missed out some more exciting news. Well, we can go back to that. If you, if you were a smoother broadcaster, you could have pointed to that and I could have swung back around to it and no one would have ever been the wiser. I just pointed at it. What is wrong with you? <laughs> oh yeah you did sorry that was my fault I fucked it up well anyway let's do Steel Panther versus Motley Crue first and we'll come around to I don't know anything the... about this I've been off for a week you'll have to tell me well, what well I will fill you please in please do so last week we had Dope versus Machine Heads and this week it's Steel Panther versus Motley Crue in the feud no one wanted um, <laughs> <laughs> no one so asked for this they've been taking pot shots um, at each other over Twitter um, I mean anything in Steel Panther world you have to take with a fistful of salt so <laughs> Like, <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to make some sort of like filthier analogy. No, though, but you no, just went no. with salt, uh, just more of it. A fistful of salt, loads of salt. Um, or, what would you want to take? A pinch of cocaine? I don't <laughs> know. Well, you, better? I guess you use the word fist. That's <laughs> yeah. That's in there. What's wrong with you? I don't know. <laughs> Bring the podcast tone down. Sorry. So anyway, Motley Crue and Steel Panther are, are having a row. Uh, <laughs> it all started when Steel Panther singer Michael Starr made a joke about Vince Neil in a video interview with uh, Little Punk People which you can watch on YouTube. Um, That's the kids, right? You're The little bands. kids, yeah, yeah. It's quite funny. Uh, but anyway, the <laughs> oh dear, I'm, I'm laughing before I even read it. The kids said, um, if, Ma- if Michael could bring back one metal god from the dead to play in Steel Panther, who would he pick? And he said Vince Neil, <laughs> <laughs> which is, is not nice. And I'm not laughing because it's Vince Neil. It's it's a joke. It's a joke. It's quite a clever joke, but it's it's mean. Let's be honest. It's really mean. Well, Vince Neil's not been the nicest man in his life, has he? No. Well, as we say, most rock stars haven't, to be honest. So we could be all fucking day. But yeah, he made it. He made a mean joke about Vince Neil that was, to be fair, quite mean. Uh, Nikki Six of Motley Crue responded on Twitter saying, "The singer in Steel Panther can go fuck himself." <laughs> what I like about this is that he put an umlaut on the U in I fuck. <laughs> <laughs> on brand so it should read like the mi- the singer in Steel Panther can go fook himself <laughs> uh, wannabe band putting down Vince Neil that's why they are assholes backstabbers 
So he's gone all in. This isn't a joke. He's gone too fit. This in. must he's be a joke. Panther. This must be a joke. I don't think Nikki Six. I don't think Nikki Six finds it funny. From what I have heard and what has the band have said across the years, I don't think Motley Crue are the best mates of Steel Panther. Okay. Um, although I don't know shit, do I really? But anyway, Steel Panther drummer Sticks Adania then replied to Nikki Six, uh, saying, "Sounds like someone needs some fucking attention." In order to sam- stab someone in the back, you have to have been somewhat cordial with them to begin with. Steel Panther weren't happy to let it lie there. Uh, they then tweeted a video, which I'd never seen before, of Motley Crue from the mid-90s. So for so those who don't know, in the mid-90s, Vince Neil was um, not in the band for a while and they got in John Karabi for actually a pretty good album. Uh, and there's a video of Motley Crue from that period um, who uh, are reacting to the news that Vince Neil had been injured in a jet skiing accident and um, well, you can see what Motley Crue's reaction is at the time of watching the video. Um, but yeah, it's all it's well, all kicking off. It. They laughed. Yeah. yeah, they laughed at their friend, and yet injured. who yeah. was probably not their friend at that point. Oh, good point but yeah. anyway, the point that Steel Panther were trying to make were was obviously you know Motley Crue haven't always been the best of friends. Which to be <laughs> fair, if you've read the dirt, you'd know that. Um, but yeah, so what a mess. Bands are really at each other at get the moment. Get over it. What's going on? Literally just get over it. <laughs> <laughs> You're both in bands. You both make a living from it. I know Motley Crue don't tour. Who but cares? They still must make money from merch and stuff. And the Dirt movie. Oh, yeah. All success. of the Dirt. And Steel Panther must have made money. They do arenas. Yeah, they both should be pretty happy with their careers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, they should and be. And that was obviously a joke. Are you it sure this whole joke. thing's not just a joke? I mean, if it's some mad meta thing and like Motley Crue and Steel Panther are about to announce a tour together, I'd be amazed. It just <laughs> like, sounds like they're amazed. all joking. Are they, are they really not? I really don't think Nikki Six is joking. No, when I, I don't that. feel I like don't want is. to put words or tone in his mouth, but <laughs> I really don't think Nikki Six is I haven't followed joking. this online, so I'm just coming to it clean. I don't think Nikki Six is the kind of guy to banter across Twitter with Steel Panther, <laughs> who have, to be fair, made a career out of taking the piss out of the generation of bands that do. Nikki Six comes from. They're all on the banter bus together I, I mean I guess you know the thing is with Steel Panther is that they're really fucking good at what they do and even though it's a joke you know they've done some genuinely great material to back it up but I guess if you are of that generation of bands and you're looking at what Steel Panther do they headline arenas now like mm. they're a big band and I guess I can understand why some bands might see Steel Panther and be a bit annoyed that they've basically made a career taking the piss out of them yeah but <laughs> I feel <laughs> like I feel like you know everything people just take themselves too seriously agreed so just you know just be chill about it you know you're famous people are gonna take the piss out of you yeah very true i've heard it interesting that he called them backstabbers i don't know what that means i don't know there's something we don't know about there some interesting Mm. connotations involved in that um but then yeah sticks came back and said you have to have been cordial to begin with so who knows what's going on but it does suggest that they're not the best of friends to me yeah I don't think they would dig out a video of Motley Crue literally being mean about their own band member if it was a joke. Shall we see if we can get them together in a feature for a chat? Fight. Yeah. <laughs> 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 we'll take them to like a boxing gym or something. Not uh, tell the other one that the other one's coming. I don't think any of our lawyers would let us clear that, to be honest. <laughs> we need uh, insurance for sure. In other news, as I definitely didn't forget earlier... Uh, Marilyn Manson and Lindemann have new songs out. Have either of you listened to uh, yes. God's Gonna Cut You Down or Ich Weiß Es Nicht? Yes. Both of them? Both of them. Thoughts? Thoughts. Well, 
Oh dear. Manson and Lind. <laughs> Have you got She's lots got of thoughts? She's got lots of thoughts, clearly. All right, let's not, let's not be here too long, lads. <laughs> Fine. Uh, the Lindemann one first. Ich weiß ich nicht. I don't know if that's how you say it. it ich means, weiß ich nicht. It means I don't know. I thought it opened a bit like Duhas, like a Ramstein song, but then it gets a bit more camp and Euro disco. And it's weird. It makes you feel kind of like uncertain and unhinged. And the lyrics are like, uh, I don't know my name. I don't know who I am. Don't know where I'm from. I go, don't know where. Forgot every day, forgot every night. It kind of just goes on like that. Basically like not knowing who you are. And the video is really weird. It's like black and white morphing faces. These faces just like changing shape and shifting and so yeah I thought it was kind of cool and kind of interesting it has this kind of weird undercurrent of like what the fuckness to it but I still prefer Ramstein songs to Lindemann songs I still I don't know for me like I like the element of all the six of Ramstein doing something together whereas this is Till and Peter in Lindemann so I think it's cool and I liked it more than I thought I would. I thought it might just be sort of a throwaway single and it's actually kind of a bit like, oh, what's going on here? I like the fact that it's an artist doing something unsettling. I think that's an interesting thing to do. Fair. Yeah, I heard it and thought, oh, it sounds like Ramstein. Yeah, but it doesn't sound exactly <laughs> like Ramstein, does it? It sounds more campy and like more... Yeah, it sounds like more like a campy kind of a pop song, whereas Ramstein, I think I've got a bit more drama and a bit more bass and a bit more like, you know, riffs. Fair. Fair. Uh, Interesting though. And uh, yeah, Marilyn Manson, God's Gonna Cut You Down. So I heard this song and I kind of thought I, and it sounded familiar and I kind of thought, is it is it like a video he's only just released off the last album or something or something he's done before? Um, and then someone pointed out to me, it's a Johnny Cash cover, which is interesting. It's actually very faithful folk, to the original. It's actually a folk song. It's a traditional folk oh, song. Oh, so Johnny Cash's version was a cover as well? Yeah, it's oh, been around okay. for years. It's like a really old folk song. It's also known as Run On and Run On for so a long kinda time. Kind of like a whiskey in the jar type vibe. I guess. I'm not sure like when it's originated or if we Interesting. Know, well, he stayed very close to the Johnny Cash version, didn't he? Yeah, the Johnny Cash version was out in 2003. And I really like this because I think it's really plays to where Manson is at the moment the last yeah. couple of albums he's going more and more kind of dark country and now we know if the next record is working with Shooter Jennings and this plays to his whole kind of like weird outlaw country dark gothic America persona that he's cultivating and the video has got like it's black and white it's got crosses in it he's kind of in bed with the guitar and then digging a grave it's all very kind of you know like again he's made no secret of the facts and he was in it obviously like sons of anarchy like he loves that kind of stuff as well yep. which is you know that kind of dramatic take people out to the desert and fuck them up sort of thing and i just think it fits with him really well and i really like this direction is going in it's it's good it's sort of like aging gracefully slash disgracefully it's not just kind of agree. flogging the same old like glam rock horse or trying to do like the industrial stomp thing when it's past its prime is moved up into something a bit more contemporary, even though it's backwards looking in, in that sense, you know, it's following, it's following a tradition, isn't it? But he's doing mm -hmm. it in like a modern kind of a way. Yeah, it's cool. I, and, and I agree. Like I, I almost wish in a weird way that I know this doesn't really make sense, but I kind of wish it was his original song because if he had written something like this and produced something like this, I'd have been like, this is fucking awesome. This is what Marilyn Manson should sound like in 2019. I think he is, though. Like, that's the thing. Like, I hope with he Shooter is. Jennings and doing a new is. record, I think he's totally just going to go down this road completely. I mean, he's been there for years, hasn't it now? Like, Pearl Emperor and 
Yeah, yeah, um, Bourne villain. Even even bits of um, Heaven Upside Down had a couple of elements like yeah, that. Yeah, I don't there. mean Bourne villain. I meant Heaven Upside yeah, Down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, because because we were talking, we were ra- we were ranking Mountain albums earlier. Yeah, so yeah. Like, but um, uh, yeah, I think um, it, he's clearly cut out for this, and I really hope this, like you said, I really hope this is where the album goes because I think it could be fucking great if it's done right. I think he's really good now at getting the right collaborators around him as well. It's sort of like you kind of think it made me think of Johnny Depp as well, this, because it's sort of got that, like Depp's aesthetic is like the whole kind of like bit of an outlaw renegade, no matter what you think of him, like politically and sexually, just put that aside for a second, but his image is kind of that sort of thing. It's a bit like when he was in the film Dead Man and he's got people around him, like the guy who worked on this video did, it's Tim Mattia, he did the video for Hey Cruel World and um, yeah, he's collaborating with some of the same people that he has before and I think he's kind of like maybe got this strategy now of just like finding people that he admires and likes working with and kind of keeping them around and doing these things that are a little bit more grown up mm, who I think of Tyler Bates that's it yeah, yeah Tyler I imagine Bates. he's working with Tyler Bates again on I the next so. record because he he's collaborated on the last two yeah it'd be really like you're like it feels like Manson creatively is in, has been in a pretty decent play for the last few years and it'd be nice to see that continue and maybe reach a whole new pinnacle um should we take some reader questions yeah from in case you didn't know facebook.com forward slash metal hammer readers uh <gasps> alice, i've just noticed that alice one? has got ghost socks on oh my yeah. gosh they oh, say awesome. squad ghouls on them <laughs> where do i get these Ghouls squads surely they, they no, were from squad new look like squad ghouls Squad. Oh, like squad goals. Yeah, but it's squad oh, goals. Oh, I get it. Oh, I want these. These are amazing. Sparkly. Yeah, oh, they are. Tis the season. We got a question about Halloween coming up. I but want first, sparkly ghost socks. First, uh, Alice, <laughs> do you want to tackle this question from Marco LG? Uh, okay. Cassettes. Ca- cassettes. <laughs> yeah, one job. <sighs> cassettes are back in fashion. Apparently, is it just me or is this silly? What is cool about cassettes? There is nothing cool about cassettes. This is me, by the way. They just unwind <laughs> in your cassette player and they have crap sound quality. <laughs> I've got to admit, cassettes are a hard sell, I think. Yeah. They have, apart from being really portable, they don't have the sound quality or the cool artwork. The only thing you really do with a cassette now is hold it and go, this is cool. Maybe I'll like prop it up on my bookcase well, and look at it say, and hold it in yeah. my hand. The one cassette I do have is a Prodigy special edition cassette of the uh, the Day Is My Enemy album um, purely because I thought it was really cool and it's literally just a prop. But it is a cool one. I think it's as a little thing, I really like them. And we've talked about I doing, don't have a cassette player. We've talked about doing cassettes and haven't before. So let us know if you want cassettes. No, don't because we can't afford them. <laughs> <laughs> I costed it up. It's fucking expensive. Because no one plays cassettes anymore. Yeah. Hence yeah. why cassettes. they're done for very limited runs and not whole magazine runs. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> no cassettes then. No cassettes for you. Unless any labels listening want to collaborate and then we'll get something done. How about that? I think the only cassette I have, I might have mentioned this before, is uh, a limited edition Edema cassette shaped like Jesus. a cigarette packet. Oh, how wow. Edgy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where it is, but I've got it somewhere. Yeah. Fuck it out. Uh, ben Wilmer asks, what are your favourite B-sides of all time? I like Alison Chain's Fear the Voices. Oh, good one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was out on their music bank box set. And that was an outtake from Dirt. And I also like, I mean, this is a cover, but Deftones cover of Duran Duran's The Chauffeur, which is on their B-side and Rarities album. 
Nice. Yeah. Good choice. Um, I, I had a lazy pick, but it's one I absolutely stand by is uh, the entire Steal This album, album by System of a Down. That's such a lazy choice. Well, but, <laughs> it, but it's it basically a B-sides album. I guess I did have one off Deftones, so. Um, and um, yeah, it's basically a B-sides album. And uh, it's, uh, you know. It was really like cutting edge and cool when they did that as well, because everybody had CDRs that they would just scribble on and like, that was how you would nick your music off people is to yeah. burn it all onto CDRs and then scribble the names all over them. So when they did that, it was like, oh, cool. They get it. They get that yeah, that's what totally. everyone does. And they've made their record look like one of your other albums. But it's but it's such a fucking good album. And, and at the time, the band really went on the offensive saying, no, nah, this is good material. We just couldn't physically fit it on our stuff. And I think it is. Like some of my favorite System of Down tracks on that song. I, 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 Mr. Jack, um, Inner Brain, no, Inner Vein, uh, Inner Vision, um, uh, fucking oh, what's the other one as well roulette oh lovely song i'm not really fussed on that record oh, i think it's great I it was throwaway um i like, honestly i think it's great uh I, w- I wouldn't it would probably begrudgingly finish bottom or second bottom if i had to make the simple down albums but i still think it's really really good mm. um and uh seeing as we've talked about problematic characters uh leave me alone by michael jackson is a classic right. <laughs> was left off the original version of bad made it onto the thingy but you know I probably wouldn't listen to that now either. So there we go. <laughs> oh, what time we live in? Um, oh, you do the next one. Alice hasn't done one. hers. Oh, I'm sorry. How rude. Okay, fine. Um, I ha- I found it really hard to remember what what B sides are. Like like which which are B sides? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> well, we don't have cassettes now. Well, yeah, and we well, do have records. Have it on CDs, but wouldn't they? They'd well, have it like just a, B at side. the end. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, they're not actually b-sides because they're not records or cassettes but um anyway i've just put like mainly grunge ones so um yellow lead better was a um b-side i like that song it's a good song we had that in the office yesterday actually yes we had a pearl jam like three hour session and um nirvana i had the in is it in Incesticide. Incesticide. It's like the whole. Yeah, that's a great. That's, that's got dive on it and stuff, hasn't it? Yeah, that's and it's a got great stain album as well. and it's got yeah. big cheese. Um, back that. Back that. So yeah, that's I what like I have. Like it. Like it very much. L, do you want to do your next question? <gasps> Me. Okay. Joe Fleischer asks: Is there a band logo you get tattooed on your person? What band done where? I know who can answer this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've already got. In fact, my only tattoo to date. Uh, is in fact a band logo. Um, well, it counts as a logo, doesn't it? So it's a symbol. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I think so yeah. Like, I've got the Prodigy Ant tattooed on my leg, uh, which I got after Keith died this year. Um, so I always thought I might get a tattoo, and then when that happened, I just thought I want to just go out and get something that you know kind of ties in how much I love that band. Um, so yeah, got that done. Um, in terms of other ones, I would get done. Uh, oh, that's a hard one. A lot of band logos are cool, but they're not, I want this on my body cool. Mm. <laughs> when I was like, well, like 10 years ago, I decided I really wanted the Opeth logo. You know, the O. I was just about to say, the one that I do think looks really nice is the Opeth O, and yeah. I've seen that tattooed on people. I wanted that in the shape of a fish. And then I thought, ta- yeah, because I thought that style would be really cool. But then I already like sea creatures. Do you think you would regret that now if you had that now? I bet you wouldn't. Probably not, actually. But I was like interviewing a tattooist <laughs> and I... <laughs> And I was saying to them, like, <laughs> I thought it'd be cool. And she's like, well, why did, wouldn't you just get one or the other? Why wouldn't you just get a logo or a fish? And I was like, because I like the style of it. 
And she was like, yeah, I think you should just do the logo. And then I didn't want a logo and I just never got it. So whatever. Fair. Fair, mm. fair. Alice, do you have any tattoos? Um, yes. <laughs> Sorry to ask <laughs> such a difficult question. Taxing. <laughs> but um, I don't have any band. Would you get any band tattoos? Um, any I, logos? I probably wouldn't ever get a band logo. Um, but if I was to get one... Um, maybe the Alice in Chains son, although Godsmack have kind of ruined it. Oh yeah, they have, haven't they? <laughs> Forgot about that. But they just I made think it like a tramp cool. stamp. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was cool. It would be like, yeah, people would just think it was Godsmack, though, wouldn't they? They'd be like, "Oh, you got a Godsmack tattoo?" No. It is wild that <laughs> Godsmack took influence from Alice in Chains to make such beige music. <laughs> Although I do quite like that first album they did. Oh no, the second album they did, Alive. Oh, yeah, I think that was a good album. I actually got know. a couple of good songs on that. They're still big in America. They're fucking huge. I saw them in Florida last year. They played to like 50,000 people. It was ridiculous. Wow. Fair play to them. Uh, Jack Hawkins asked, what songs are your go-tos for Halloween? Yay! It is the season. Can't wait, can't wait, can't wait. Well, neither can I. My <laughs> costume arrived today. I don't even have any plans for Halloween yet. What and I've got a fucking it? costume. I need to go. You'll to... have to wait and see. Oh, wait. I'm not going to be in. <laughs> You'll be in next week. No, it's like the holiest of days. <sighs> Did you book it off just because it's Halloween? Yeah. Did you? Yeah. What are you doing instead? <laughs> We've got a future Halloween party. That's why I'm asking. I'm going to get dressed up. So you are doing fancy dress or like yeah. spooky dress. I'll just like pop on down and be like. Hey guys, this is my costume. And she then means leave. pop by, <laughs> not pop on down the band that we just <laughs> talked about, by the way. <laughs> no, so like, know. it's down from where I live. <laughs> yeah, pop on down then. What, so you are coming to the Halloween party? Well, no, I wasn't planning on it. But, you know, I need to. Come pop on down, don't leave me by myself. I'm going to look like pop an absolute twat. So, please. so you're taking a day off for Halloween to get dressed up and walk around looking spooky? Um, no, I mean, I was going to mainly l- walk around looking spooky later on, but <laughs> but I can do it early. <laughs> Come here in the afternoon, get dressed here, then we'll eat chocolate and shit. <laughs> anyway, um, oh, I'm sounding really sad now. I'm, I'm actually getting desperate because I ordered a costume without anywhere to wear it. I would have wanted it to work. <laughs> I, just, really like, I just don't want to... It's I not d- like I bought like a t-shirt that's got like... I don't know, a Batman logo on it or something. I like, it's a proper fucking talkie costume. It's <laughs> ridiculous. Um, <laughs> Halloween songs. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Yep. Songs for Halloween. I only think we did this last year. So mine are really obvious. Good, we'll do it every year. So I'm just going to do them really quickly. Mine are Marilyn Manson. This is Halloween. Yeah, Obviously, that whole, that whole soundtrack. Night Before Christmas. Ministry, Every Day is Halloween. Oh, nice. Yeah, because Every Day is Halloween. And Typo Negative, Halloween in Heaven. Which oh, talks you've, about like you've actually gone with Halloween. the musicians who have died songs. and like having Halloween in heaven and something else in hell. I can't remember the lyrics now, but it's a good song. Cool. Alice? I've got loads. Go on then. Because I made a louder playlist. Yeah, you did. <laughs> it was good. The Shared in the Office. Um, so I've got Don't Fear the Reaper by Blue Oyster Cult. Nice. Um, Season of the Witch by Donovan. Nice. Bad Moon Rising by Credence Clearwater Revival. Um, basically the entirety of Misfits' famous Monsters album. Um, the whole back catalogue catalog of White Zombie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, typo Negative, Black Number One. 
oh, Cathedral yeah. and Hopkins, Witchfinder General, and The Cramps, I Was a Teenage Werewolf. Love That's it. a good list. Love it. I actually think Bad Moon Rising is one of those songs where when I first heard it, I was like, what the fuck is this? It's someone like doing a ritual or something. I love that song. I'm not saying I don't <laughs> love it. I think it's really good, but I remember first hearing it and just being like, what the fuck? Because it just sounds so like out there and it just gets like more and more frenzied and you're like, what's going on? I love Credence Clearwater Revival. <laughs> Why the fuck not? Uh, I back all of those choices. Um, I'm really, uh, really into John Carpenter's scores. So yes. anything from those movies is awesome, especially Halloween itself. I actually mm. saw John Carpenter live over Halloween last year and it was fucking awesome. I would have loved um, to. So all those, all those film scores I love. Um, uh, yeah, it's hard to, I mean, you know, Rob Zombie stuff is always great fun for that. Um, I love the the kind of cheesy 80s uh, horror franchise songs. So uh, Dream Warriors by Dokken from the film oh, yeah. uh, Dream Nightmare on Elm Street 3. We did Dream a massive Warriors. playlist with that in last year. Yeah, it was yeah. in the other day, yeah. Um, and uh, Man Behind the Mask about Jason Voorhees from Friday the 13th. Um, I can't remember what part it is. I want to say eight, but I'm not sure. Uh, by Alice Cooper. That's a banger as well. Um, oh, I thought of another one, but it's left me. Oh, bring the, your daughter for, bring your daughter to the slaughter by I Made It because I've got a feeling that was originally written for a uh, Nightmare on Elm Street song. That was the first Maiden song I heard. I was in the car on the way back from my grandparents' house and my parents were driving and I was a child in the back seat and I was like, what is this? That's I a good story. Yeah, and then I remember like laughing at the lyrics and like singing along and stuff. It's an awesome... I love that song. I'd love them to just bust that out for a laugh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the song was originally written... Uh, recorded and released by Bruce Dickinson in the soundtrack to Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child. So yeah, Bruce Dickinson's version that was for Nightmare on Elm Street 5. I'll, I'll have that in there as well. Love it. Love it. What Woo. else we got? Go on. Tom Byrne asks, is there a particular album which got you into a band that you subsequently discovered is one of their more lambasted releases, yet you continue to hold in high esteem? It's a really good question because a yeah. lot of the time you get into an album and that gets you into a band and that remains the album the one you that feel you most love. emotional to. When other people are like, no, you should love this one. I find that a lot of people feel this way with Loads by Metallica, which I think is a really fucking good album, but I know people that think it is like their best album ever that will like fight people to the death for it because it was their first Metallica album. And it does get an unfair panning from people because it is really good. Mm. Was that your pick? No, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just trying to think. I mean, um, I think most Iron Maiden fans around my age pick um, Brave New World very highly. Because, but I kind of feel like that's generally accepted as a great Maiden album. So I don't know if that counts. The first Korn album, I really kind of got into... Um, I guess the first Korn album that they released since I got into them as a band was Untouchables and that is if not my favourite Korn album then right right up there and I kind of feel like it often gets overlooked everyone knows like Here to Stay is a big tune but I think that whole album's absolutely awesome the production's on it brilliant loads of great songs I probably rate that a lot higher than most people do when it comes to Korn's I was going to say actually with Korn I was really obsessed with Issues but actually most people would say Follow the Leader was like their pick mm. out of the year that would probably Korn. be my favourite album but I love issues and i just got that like in the early 2000s and just listened and listened and listened to it so like definitely for me that's the one that i was like this is amazing um and then probably like also in the early 2000s i was well into soulfly's primitive i just thought it was amazing Back to the primitive. yeah but i didn't know then that like i didn't i hadn't really heard any sepultura 
So I was just like, this is the best thing ever. And obviously, like, now I know everyone else is probably like, fuck I was the same. I was like, the same. I want Sepultura back. Yeah. But I had no idea. So I was well, like, I think most people really know that the first Soulfly <laughs> albums are really, I mean, they've done some fucking great stuff, Soulfly. Like, yeah. absolutely. Um, the last Soulfly album in particular was savage. Um, but uh, yeah, I agree. I was well into Soulfly before I knew what Sepultura was because yeah. they felt more connected to the new metal generation. Exactly that, yeah. Fairly bloody enough. Oh, I know one album actually. Fear Factory, D- Digimortal. Loads of people oh, like that I album. Oh, I love Digimortal. But I was well into it because it was the album that I got into them on. Yeah. And I still think now it's got some really good stuff on yeah, it. Yeah, I was the same. I got into Digimortal first and I loved it. And I know a bunch of other people are like, oh, why isn't it heavy? Or they've awesome. sold out, whatever. But I'm like, it's the best thing. I love yeah. it so much. Be calm. So good. Great tune. So good. Connor Gray says, off the back of something Mel said last week, I don't remember what it was. Do you typically research set lists before gigs or do you like to go in blind? If you do uh, research set lists, I guess, is that driven by your careers as a music journalist or just sheer personal curiosity? Do you look up set lists before you go to gigs? No. No? Mm-mm. Never? No, never. I like to not know. So generally I don't look them up, but there's a chance I might look them up if I was going somewhere to do like a big feature on a band. Yeah. And I wanted to know like, what they were going to play so that I could work out like whether I wanted to ask them any questions yeah. about the songs or anything like that. Um, I did exactly that with Iron Maiden um, last year when I went out to Stockholm, yeah. which was like the fourth show on the Legacy of the Beast tour. And I wasn't going to check the set list at yeah. all. And I didn't look at it for the first couple of days. And then I realized like, fuck, I've got to ask them about which songs they're playing. And then I looked at it and I was like, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> I really would have loved, I mean, I was excited enough seeing it, but I, I don't know what I would have done if I'd seen those songs and they just dropped Flight of Icarus and Clansman and yeah. Sign of the Cross without me knowing they were going to do it. I think I would have cried. I like to generally just not know. And like, I'll be, I've been next to you before at gigs and stuff when you're looking at the set list and I'm like, don't show me because I don't yeah. want to know. I do. I'm, I'm really bad at not letting my curiosity get the better of me. And also sometimes... If I'm being totally honest, if I've had a lot of beers and I'm gagging from the toilet, I might just go, oh, I just need to check if I should not be going to the toilet. <laughs> I the mean, yeah, that is a good thing as well. Like if you need, if you do need a little oh, comfort, awful. If you do need a little comfort break and then you're like, oh no, what if I miss my favorite song? Yeah. Then yeah, maybe you could check. Yeah. But I try not to ruin it for myself. I mean, what I'll sometimes do is like, I'll have a quick look once and I'll just look at the set of this, bear it, try and bear it in mind roughly where a couple of songs are and then I'll kind of not look at it again and I'll forget about it. And then if it's like a few months before I end up actually seeing that band on the tour, it's still like a nice surprise. Or sometimes you'll be in the office and you'll look up a set list for a band that's coming over and you'll be like, oh my gosh, Elle, guess what they're playing? You won't believe this. You're going to love this. And then like you either you just tell me or then I have to know because you've hyped it up. So you're a bit of a ruiner sometimes. So I, was, I get too excited. <laughs> Uh, that is it for this week's podcast. Uh, I'm going to go and see the awesome Rotting Christ at the Me Underworld too. on I Tuesday night. I think I might oh, come nice. as well. Awesome. It's One of the best metal albums of 2019. It's not the Underworld though. It's Islington Assembly Oh, it is. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, it's Islington Assembly Hall, which is, if you're outside London, that's actually a bigger venue. So that's going to be a really a cool, venue. big old gig. Um, so yeah, we're going to go see Rotting Christ touring that awesome uh, latest album, The Heretics. If for some reason you haven't listened to that album yet, go listen to it. It's literally one of my favorite metal albums of 2019 it's so good and we did a really cool feature with them a few months ago as well um so in the meantime everyone look after each other it's halloween next week lads yeah we should do a halloween special i don't know what it would be about but i love halloween um let's just talk about you don't watch horror movies 
This is it's really hard to do a yeah, Halloween special Halloween. with you. Yeah, I love spooky things. Uh, well, if you liked spooky things, you'd watch spooky movies. I don't mind spooky movies, but I'm too scared to watch them on my own. Right, everyone has to come back next week with picks for three horror movies. No rules on which ones you pick. Doesn't have to be your mm-hmm. three favourites or whatever. We're going to come back with three horror movies next week. Essentials. Everybody uh, else has to go and watch if we haven't seen them yet. And anyone who's listening who hasn't seen them can go and watch them. And why too. they need to watch them. Yeah, totally. Like three horror movies. You, there's no rule on which ones you pick, but just pick three that you think everyone should watch. I'm going to have to watch some movies and get scared. You must have seen three horror movies in your life. Yeah, no, I have. There you go then. It's, fine. <laughs> it's not a test, is it? It feels like a test. <laughs> not a test. I'm going to win though. Uh, see you <laughs> next week, everybody. Take care of yourselves. Bye. Bye. Bye.